when you try me with a mediocre question, that's the result you're going to get. <laughs> uh, starting left fielder. Uh, Ichiro. No! God, please, no! No! There is some potential there. If he would just, I don't know, use his brain. Um, <laughs> because, especially, I mean, come on, man. Jerry Depoto's the GM. Who the hell knows? Looking out my window and this FedEx driver just hit a tree. You are no gentleman. And neither are you. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Soto Mojo podcast. I'm Colby Padnote. I'm joined, as always, by Ty Gonzalez. And thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast without a plan, much like the Seattle Mariners apparently don't have. Ty, uh, how, how are you doing today? You know, I, I'm doing all right. Uh, I got to see our boys on uh, on Sunday. I got a little sad, but we'll, we'll get more into that. But I, I saw a pretty good game down there uh, up, in the, up in Toronto, so... Uh, we'll get into that, but man, it's a it's a good day. It's a it's a good day to be a Mariner fan. That's right, guys. Uh, so on today's show, we are going to go ahead and obviously uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Mariners' major league roster right now. They're playing some pretty good baseball, um, and Ty got to see uh, his his one game of the year that he gets to see in person. Um, so we'll get to talk a little bit about that. Obviously, the uh, the big prospect news is Jake Fraley has been called up finally, um, although not in the lineup tonight. Um, so we'll probably have to wait till tomorrow to see his debut. Um, and also we're, yeah, we're going to, we're going to talk about, uh, John Heyman's, I don't know, either ignorant or stupid remarks, depending on whether or not you want to give him the benefit of the doubt or not. Um, <laughs> don't worry, giving him the benefit of the doubt isn't very flattering either. Um, mm-hmm. and then, then we'll wrap up the episode. So Ty, I'm going to let, uh, I'm going to let you choose. Do you want to talk about... The Mariners on the road trip, the Jake Fraley, uh, what you saw in Toronto, or um, do you want to start with Heyman? What do you want to start with? Uh, let's uh, let's just get into the big news for today first, uh, starting with Jake Fraley getting called up after just destroying the minor leagues. Uh, you know, slipped up a little bit when he when he got to AAA, but figured things out. Out uh, went down with that. Uh, what was it? An oblique strain or? or or quad injury. Uh, it was a quad injury and that kept him out for about a week and he came back and uh, lit things up for six games. Now he's getting the, getting the call up finally after we had been pounding the table for it for so long. Um, I don't know what happened with his travel situation and why he's not in Tampa right now because he was leaving Cheney Stadium last night around, what, six o'clock or something. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's strange, and I'm sure we'll hear more about that. But um, but yeah, man, that's uh, that's pretty. Uh, it, it's really it's really exciting uh, to see you know Fraley get called up. He you know suddenly has become one of the better Mariners prospects. He'll rank pretty high when we uh, when we unveil our our top ten um, Mariners prospects uh, later on in our in our list and everything and. Um, yeah, it's uh, this is a legitimate uh, move for, for the Mariners. Uh, you know, some things have been kind of put on on pause with with Shed Long and Braden Bishop, et cetera, with their injuries. But uh, Jake Fraley's here now, and and uh, we'll see what he can do because he's destroyed every level of the minor leagues. Yeah, um, technically he's not there yet. So, uh, but that's true. 
<laughs> but yeah, anyways, um, just from a scouting standpoint, guys, um, I'm sure you know all this, but just in case this is the, uh, I don't know, the first you've listened to us talk about Fraley or the first time you've cared, um, Jake Fraley is a left-handed hitting, left-handed throwing outfielder. Uh, you can play all three outfield spots, uh, above average in center field, maybe even uh, good. Uh, he'll be very good in either corner spot, kind of an average arm, above average bat, 55 grade, maybe up to 60. Um, power has really popped this year. He's at 19 home runs in the minors. Uh, his previous high entering this year was four. Uh, so the power has come through at 24 years old. Uh, Mariners made a little swing change there. Uh, Fraley took to it, unlocked his, uh, power potential and, uh, uh, above above average runner plus runner, uh, probably 60, 65 grade speed on the 2080 scale. Uh, he's going to steal, you know, in a full season, he'll probably steal 25 bases, maybe 30 with a high, high degree of success. He's not going to get tossed a lot. Uh, really solid athlete, solidly built six foot 185. Um, you know, he's just an all around good looking player, uh, a fantastic beard. Um, part of the, uh, trying to bring back the flow bros, I guess, uh, he's got, he's got good flow going. Um, he is a good player that was acquired in the Mike Zanino trade. Uh, the Mike Zanino from Alex Smith trade. He was kind of the quote unquote throw in, um, and, uh, baseball America just named him the, uh, Mariners minor league player of the year today. So, um, high praise there. He's 24. He's ready to go. Um, I, I can't tell you whether he's going to play center, whether he's going to play left. Uh, we don't know because he's not in the lineup yet. So, but uh, yes. overall, like I said, it's a, it's a good swing. Uh, you know, it's, it's just a good all around player without any serious holes. Um, it may not be, may not be an everyday player, maybe a strong sided platoon player. Um, but he, he's definitely ready to hold his own. And he should get a serious look here in uh, in well the rest of August and September, mm. uh, and we'll see what hap- what ha- how much uh, where he plays when Braden Bishop and Mitch Haniger come back. But it's it's a good looking player, guys. Um, so Ty, I guess you know kind of the reasonable question is, what are we expecting from Jake Fraley in the next five to six weeks? Yeah, I don't I don't think you'll see him be the destroyer of baseballs that he's he's been right out of the gate. Uh, you know, like I said, he did uh, uh, scuffle a little bit when he got to AAA, uh, but figured things out pretty quickly. Now, you know, obviously that's the PCL and pretty much everyone can hit there because it's just they're pretty, basically playing in little league ballparks and they're using the MLB ball. But, uh, you know, w- with Fraley, I think you'll you'll see a, a guy that can get on base and, and cause some havoc and uh, and can put one in the stands, you know, pretty frequently and. Play solid defense. Uh, you know, like you said, we, we'll see where he plays. I'm sure he'll play a little bit of everywhere. Um, but, you know, with Keon Broxson already on the roster and, and uh, um, Braden Bishop coming back soon, uh, I, don't, I don't imagine he'll play a whole lot of center, but we'll see uh, on that front. I, I think he'll more so play either uh, in left or, or right. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's super exciting. You know, the one... Uh, hole in, in his offensive game that's really you know glaring are the strikeouts. He he did strike out above a twenty percent clip this year at both Double A AA and Triple A, so that's something you got to keep an eye out for. But uh, 
know, for the most part, he's uh, he's just all around solid, just a really toolsy guy, and you know, really this uh, that that Malik uh, Malik Smith trade is uh, very reminiscent of the uh, the Gene Segura Mitch Haniger trade. You know, where and Fraley in this case is playing the uh, the part of Haniger, where you know this this is they this is the throw in guy, quote unquote, but he's really um, you know shown through, and and we'll see what he does at the major league level, but. If it's anything near what he's been able to do in the minor leagues, that's uh, that's a really solid player. Uh, Fraley has uh, Fraley. I would put a high ceiling on Fraley. Yeah, um, I wouldn't really put a high ceiling. I think he's got a pretty high floor, though. Uh, I think he's a big leaguer. I think he is at the very least a solid fourth outfielder, mm-hmm. um, and I think he has every chance to be a above average regular. Um, I think if your guys are looking for comps defensively, I think he's Sam Fold, uh, former Oakland A. Um, just really solid defender can make the spectacular play every once in a while. Um, offensively, I, I think there's a lot of Ben Gamble, um, in that if you guys are, you guys are definitely familiar with Ben Gamble. Um, I think he's pretty safe bet to hit for a high average. Um, he's going to steal a lot more bases than Gamble. Um, but roughly the same speed, maybe a bit higher for Fraley. Um, power is going to be the thing. Here it's, it's a separator. Um, I think at the absolute ceiling of, Jake Fraley, and this is his, everything goes right, like a 1% chance he actually reaches this. But I think the absolute ceiling is maybe Michael Brantley. Um, I was going to say Charlie Blackman. Wow. <laughs> You're a lot higher on him than I am. Uh, but yeah, Blackman's what, yeah. 30 home runs? Well, that, that's, yeah. I mean, you know, but he's displayed that power over the last two years after making that swing change in Tampa and everything. I, I, I legitimately think that if everything goes right for him, just you know, judging from how well he's done at every level and how well he's adjusted, I think if everything goes right, that's the kind of player he can be. But I think he can be a solid. I think more realistically, he's a solid uh, outfielder that could be an everyday guy. But we'll we'll see on that. You know, and that also depends on you know who else comes up and who else succeeds right. and who else they also bring in. Right. I think you know. I think a realistic expectation for Jake Fraley here, um, just overall, maybe not this year. Um, sometimes it takes rookies a little while to get uh, acclimated to the big leagues, but I think Ben Gamble is a pretty realistic type of, you know, player there. Um, you know, he's got some power. He can hit. He can hit for a good average. Um, you know, he's Fraley's a better defender. Um, Fraley's a better base runner. Probably has more power, but I wouldn't say it's a guarantee. Uh, game power, at least raw power, Fraley probably has the edge. Uh, but I think Ben Gamble is a pretty safe kind of like, you know, comp to Jake Fraley. Um, maybe not exactly the same player, but I think they're going to provide roughly the same value, which is, you know, a solid, you know, two to three win player, uh, probably closer to two most years. Um, but just a solid, useful player that's either going to play, you know, 120 games as, you know, in all three outfield spots. And I think he has an opportunity to be a guy who plays 150 games. And, you know, you're not really concerned about him. You just mark him down as an above average outfielder. So I, I think there's yeah. real reason, real reason for optimism here. Um, the floor is just the floor is high, basically. Right. Because the speed and the defense are there. They're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and the bat, it, it's hard for me to imagine that he's not going to at least be able to handle, um, you know, that he's not going to be at least close to a league average with the bat. So he, he's a big leaguer. I really have no doubt about that. Um, it's just a question of 
how high do you think his ceiling is and how high do you, th- and do you think he reaches it? Um, so we'll see. This is definitely a guy that, you know, I know you've said it. I know, uh, Colin O'Keefe who works for the Mariners has said it. I mean, this, it's a pretty common comparison, but they're kind of hoping this could be their left-handed Mitch Haniger. Um, mm-hmm. and if he is, then that's, that's an absolute home run for Jerry Depoto and the Mariners. So, um, really anxious to see uh, Jake Fraley. Unfortunately, it looks like we will have to wait until tomorrow um, to see him get a start. But uh, you know, maybe we'll get to see him at the end of today's game as a pinch hitter or a, a defensive replacement. So um, certainly an exciting time, um, you know, for Mariners fans, uh, and obviously more importantly, an exciting time for Jake Fraley and his friends and family. So. Yeah. Uh, hopefully he hits, man. It, it, w- it would be great if he could really show something these next six weeks and kind of force us to kind of tweak the uh, the projections and things like that. So, yeah. And I think we could see him tonight, you know, as a defensive replacement, depending on, you know, sure. when he actually gets to the stadium and stuff. You know, Tim Lopes is playing a left field. That's probably not a guy that, you know, if it's, <laughs> if it's late in the game and it's close, it's probably not a guy that you want in no, left no, field. No. Yeah, definitely yeah. not. I, yeah, I, so. I think I mean I, I think Lopes like if it's hit to like if it's a play that most left fielders make then he'll make it. Oh yeah 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 no he's he's not terrible out there I'll, I'll give him that. Um, no even, but yeah but really <laughs> significantly better. Yeah 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 so uh, yeah so I think there's still like a pretty eh, I'd, I'd say it's about like a thirty percent chance you might see Jake Fraley tonight at that some point. Right. Yeah, that sounds yeah. about right. Maybe as a pinch runner even. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. Um, just so you guys know, the corresponding move was to send Domingo Santana to the IL. Um, who, I mean, with the right elbow injury. Um, ever since he tweaked it against, was it Texas in July? Yeah, yep. July just, 23rd. Yeah, he's just been atrocious at the plate. Yeah. Um, and it just, I mean, I don't know if you need to see Domingo play again this year. Um if he does, then it needs to be close to 100% because all he's doing right now is hurting his trade value, um, which is a which is a shame because Domingo had a he had a really good year, and he still did. You know, at the end of the day, he still had a really good year. It's unfortunate the injury has affected him the way it has, but uh, he definitely uh, was not a major league quality hitter since the uh, since the elbow kind of popped on him. So hopefully he can get healthy. Maybe we'll see him by the end of the year. Uh, but if not, I'm just fine with that. Domingo had a very good year. Um, and you know, it'll be interesting to see if he's part of the future or not. Yeah. Uh, you got to assume that he is, um, or that they're, that, that, that the Mariners are shutting him down for the rest of the year. There really is no point in pushing the envelope. Of course he's, you know, even if he did come back, he would not be playing in the outfield, but you know, Fraley getting called up, uh, Bishop and, and Hanniger coming back soon. And, uh, you expect Kyle Lewis will be up at some point. With all those guys, that just creates more, you know, um, just more of a clogged outfield and more of a clogged lineup in general. And I just don't think there's really a point in, in pushing the envelope and restricting your lineup, so you know, as much and uh, forcing him to, you know, to DH because he could legitimately, you know, hurt himself even worse. There's, yeah. you know, the, there, there's uh, the possibility of that. Um, if and, if he doesn't get back to a point where he is 100 percent. It just yeah. doesn't make sense. Now, if he gets to that point, then I mean, you, I mean, you're not just going to pretend that he's not healthy. Yeah. Uh, you'll activate him and you find a way to get him at bats. But uh, yeah, you know, just if he's not 100, percent just just let it go. And you know, it, it was a good first season. He certainly um, showed that his 2017 wasn't a fluke. 
Um, and you should be able to get something halfway decent for him this off season. So, um, like I said, the elbow injury just, it just came at the worst possible time. Yeah. Um, so a bit of bad luck there for the Mariners, but you know, Domingo's what, 26 years old. He's got two years of club control left. Um, so you don't, you don't have to trade him. And if he's your everyday DH next year, you could do a lot worse. So, um, we'll see what the future holds for Domingo. But, uh, yeah, like you mentioned, if he's not a hundred percent, I mean, even if he's 90%, there's really no reason whatsoever to, uh, to bring him back, uh, this year. Um, but if he does get to a point where the elbow is not affecting him to where he can at least swing the bat, then yeah, you probably should get him a, you know, a couple of games at DH and, uh, call it good. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think this, uh, I think it pretty much indicates that they're shutting him down. Uh, you know, there hasn't been any word that that he made anything worse uh, over the last you know week or so. So, just uh, yeah, I just I just assume that th- at this point they just figure it's it's not worth it. Let's just move on. We got a lot of guys coming up. You know, the rosters are going to expand. We want to give playing time to these guys. And Domingo may or may not be a Mariner come March. Um, so, you know, you, you kind of have to take all those things into consideration there with, with that decision. So um, we'll see what comes of it. But I think right now I'm, I'm leaning towards that this has probably been the last that we'll, we've seen of Domingo Santana uh, this year. And, um, you know, if not, uh, if he does come back uh, before the end of the season, hopefully it's at full health because I just there's really just no point. Yeah, I would tend to agree with that. So um, let's go. Ahead. Let's jump over to uh, what you saw on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys don't know. Uh, Ty lives in Toronto, um, so he gets just a just a, a few series a year. Yeah, yep. he gets one series a year to see his beloved Mariners. Um, and this year, you you only made it to Sunday's game this year, right? Yeah, because you know, last year you know the Mariners got off to a really good start, and I. Uh, I went to all three games, um, you know, got to see the Paxson editor and everything like that. And this year, uh, you know, I was holding out hope with the, uh, the open rotation spot that, uh, just Sheffield was going to get called up for, to, to, to pitch on the weekend that didn't happen. So, um, I kind of waited on buying tickets. I did get really good seats for the Sunday game, which is the one that I ended up going to, but I was kind of waiting on Friday and Saturday to see how that, sh- uh, shook out. But I'm glad I went to the Sunday one. I, I picked the, I definitely did pick the best one out of the three, uh, because you say Kikuchi was magnificent. Uh, God, uh, the dude threw a Maddox <laughs> and I did not expect that whatsoever. No, uh, just, and uh, you know that was the most efficient in a uh, game I've ever been to. I was out of there in two and a half hours. <laughs> it was great. I got sunburnt yeah. a little, you know, so I was ready to get out of the sun. I had it beaten down on me down the first base line. Uh, but yeah, it was it you was Canadians, really cool. So <laughs> sensitive to the sun. <laughs> hey man, I'm from the desert in New Mexico. All right. You yeah, whatever. Say, but the, the, the true the, or false, you are a Canadian citizen. Uh, technically no i'm a permanent resident but whatever <laughs> but uh but call yeah, canada yeah. your home yes 24 7 365 yes whatever you say canuck <laughs> but uh but yeah so uh it was a really cool cool day you know the, the rogers center didn't have the roof open like 30 minutes before game time so i'm thinking like geez dude really it's the middle of august <laughs> 
but uh, you know, they finally open it up, and that I have to tell you that that just makes that ballpark significantly better. It is atrocious when the roof is closed. That is like the worst ballpark I've ever been in, uh, and wow. I've been to o- and I've been to Oakland. Okay, ouch. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, in shots Oakland fired. Is Oakland is terrible too, uh, but the yeah, but when the roof is open and you can see the you know the sky and you can see the CN Tower above you and everything like that, it's 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 a pretty cool atmosphere, and um, the fans were you know really cool. And I, I talked to this one couple that were blue that were Blue Jays fans, and they were pretty aware of what's going on with their organization and stuff, and um, you know, and they were asking questions about the Mariners and everything. And, and, uh, you know, I made sure to, to yell at Cornelius quite a bit uh, and let him know, you know, what's up. That was my first time ever seeing him and uh, in person. And uh, it's pretty majestic. He was like five feet away from me. And he, that's a big dude. He's a <laughs> big ass dude. Uh, but, yeah, and I, I saw a really cool moment uh, that I tweeted about while I was there. But um, in case you didn't see it, uh Keon Broxton's a really cool, cool guy. He was uh, after they got done with warmups, after the anthems and, and everything. He uh, he was scanning the crowd, and uh, and he pointed over to a couple kids, and these were Blue Jays fans. These weren't Mariner fans or anything like that, which I think makes it even more special. And he calls these kids down, and he gives you know the kids a ball, and he takes pictures with them, and gives hugs and everything. I thought that was really cool. So uh, Keon Broxton's a uh, good dude, and. Uh, no glad he's there. yeah glad he's a member of the Mariners so that was pretty cool but uh, yeah had a really good time uh, seeing the game and Kikuchi was fantastic you know I'm off to the side so I couldn't really see everything that he was doing uh, you know just because I can't really see the strike zone as well and everything uh, but uh, he looked great uh, he was just really effective he gave up some hard contact in the first couple innings. Um, I don't know how it looked on the TV, but there were just a couple balls that looked like they were they were gone, and they just kind of died out at the warning track. Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, but overall, he looked great. And, uh, you know, I didn't get to see a no-hitter this year, but I got to see a two-hitter. I got to see a Maddox. So yeah. that's pretty cool. <laughs> pretty good. Um, yeah, you know, full disclosure, I actually missed most of this game. Um, good friend of mine, hadn't seen in a few weeks there. Uh we he uh, wanted to go for uh, a walk around town, so met him in the morning. Went for the walk, came back around. The, got back home around the seventh inning. Saw it was five to nothing at that point, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, saw and then I uh, saw that Kikuchi was absolutely dealing, um, and so I sat down and watched. And you know, one of the things I noticed is that the little hesitation in his leg kick was gone. Um, it was, you know, straight up, straight down, straight out. Um, you know what's weird though, when he was doing his warmups, when he was throwing, uh, when they were doing the long toss, he he was doing the hesitation Hmm. in his long toss. So I don't, I I don't know. I noticed that too, though. That's funny that you brought that up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he was 93 to 94 for most of the game. I think in the last pitch of the game, he got the strikeout on was 95 miles an hour. Um, that's not something we've seen Kikuchi, you know, hit 95 early, um, you know, and, uh, but usually he's this year, he's been 91, maybe 92 max. Um, but in this particular outing, he was, you know, 93 to 95. Um, the late kick or the hesitation was, you know, gone. Um, so, you know, when you, when you see a spike in velocity, you know, and you notice that he definitely changed something mechanically. 
in his delivery, you kind of have to want, and obviously the results were much different than they had been in Detroit. Um, you kind of have to wonder, you know, Hey, is this something new we're going to see? Or is this, you know, uh, is this a serious change here? Is it just a, a one-time thing? Um, was, is this correlation or is it a causation? Um, you know, did he just happen to pitch well the first time he did this little leg kick thing? Or is the the simplification of his mechanics, did that lead to more velocity and better command? Um, we won't know until, you know, he makes a few more starts. But uh, that's, you know, that's about the best you're ever going to see Kikuchi be. Um, and, you know, we, we've seen him do it uh, a few times this year. You know, he had a one start against Cleveland that he really dominated uh, the start in Yankee Stadium. Um, where I think he, he had a really good one against, um, I want to say it was against Texas and Seattle or something. I don't know. He had a really, he had a really good stretch of like three starts. Um, I think in May, right. It was right after he had the, his first abbreviated start. Right. Yeah. They, they haven't really done that. Oh, I think it was Oakland. I yeah, think it was I think, Oakland. So. I think the abbreviated start was against uh, Texas. Texas, right? Yeah. And he was just—he threw like ten pitches and struck out two guys, and you're like, "Huh." <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, like you said, so Kikuchi's one of those guys that will be really interesting to watch him the rest of this year. Um, he's definitely going to be on the team next year. There's no doubt about it. Um, and you know, you'd like to see some more success, but we've certainly seen flashes of him um, looking like you know the number two, number three starter. Um, and we've also seen outings where he's looked really bad, uh, in uh-huh. short, he's been kind of your typical rookie, um, yep. working his way through his first MLB season. Um, of course you'd like to give him something to build on, uh, heading into 2020, but the fact that he was willing to make this adjustment in season, um, in his rookie year, it really, it, uh, to me, it says something about, uh, Kikuchi and it makes me feel more optimistic that he's going to be, you know, better uh next year just because you know there's be you you guys throw the baseball the same way for 10 years and then all of a sudden decide one august you're just going to change it Uh Um, because this isn't something that he's phased in he was doing the hesitation lake thing pretty much you know i mean the entire season uh, with nobody on base and uh you know so he he's changed it he's made an adjustment um, and the fact that he did that, he was aware enough in his rookie year and he was willing to try something uh, says a lot about his approach and his attitude and uh, his willingness to, uh, to experiment, to reach his potential. So to me, uh, something as simple as a little leg kick change, uh, has me feeling much better about Kikuchi and I was already feeling pretty good. So, uh, yeah. and I think, you know, con- considering the, 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 history of success the Mariners have had in identifying and making mechanical changes with, with some of their players, not just at the major league level, but in the minors, uh, has to, has to encourage you a little bit, um, about what this could mean for Kikuchi moving forward. You know, maybe they finally figured something out that, uh, lets him, uh, you know, tap into a little more velocity or, uh, be able to locate a little bit better, you know, just, Anything to, to kind of help him, and you know, it's been a it's been a hard year for him when you think about how everything started um, mm-hmm. off the field, you know, making his first start. Yeah, you know, but like even if you go back to you know making his first start in Japan on you know in Ichiro's last game, that's pretty tough. Then his dad dies, which is just insane, and he didn't, you know, and he didn't even leave the team when that happened. 
Um, and, uh, you know, just adjusting to, to, uh, the U S and adjusting to a whole new culture and a whole new league. And, uh, you know, with the ball being the way that it's been and everything, you know, that's, uh, had his first kid. Yeah. Yeah. He had a, yeah, he, I got, I even forgot about that. He had a kid. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's been quite a, a year for you say, yeah, it's, it's been a crazy year. A lot of distractions for him. Uh, you know, the, and, um, you know, it's kind of just a miracle that he's even been able to, to pitch, um, as consistently as he has, he's been able to stay on the field and make all of the starts and everything like that. I, I think really, um, I think, you know, this year wasn't really about what he can do on the field, but it was about his character. And I think he's shown a lot about his character, and I, I'm very proud that he's a, he's a member of the Mariners. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do next year once things you know slow down for him a bit. You're right. You know, it's it's one of those things. I think it was pretty evident, or it's been pretty evident, even when he struggled. The stuff <clears throat> is, is more than good enough to play at the big league level. Um, this isn't you know Andrew Moore, who's just just doesn't have the stuff to pitch consistently at the big leagues. Um, this guy has legitimate stuff. You know, the curveball's good. The slider's good. The fastball, we've seen it, you know, touch 95 and sit 93 um, at times. This is all about command um, for you, say it, or it has been when he struggled. Um, when he's pitched well, he, he typically has that fastball just above the just above the, uh, just above the letters, and he's dotting that curveball just on the outside corner, and the slider's hitting the back foot. Um, you know, and we've seen him do that. And when he does, he dominates. Um, so yep. stuff is definitely there. This is all about command. And if simplifying his windup, uh, gives him above average command, then you're looking at a number three starter, um, based on his stuff. So, um, we'll see how all that plays out. But, uh, yeah, when Ty goes to Toronto to watch Mariner lefties, good things tend to happen. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's why so, we walk uh... sucks so bad. <laughs> you know i did see leblanc last year and that was the, the one game we lost in that series so uh you know Maybe it's just <laughs> fault. Um, yeah yeah it's more that's more just wait leblanc uh one last note on the on the on, yeah one last note on toronto though uh sure. i'm pretty sure i was the only mariner fan in that whole building and now <laughs> you know last year there was a pretty good uh mariners uh rep- representation there uh i'm pretty sure i was the only mariners fan there because my wife and I got up to go get a beer during the um, uh, second inning, and we were up to bat, and we came back, and it was 2 nothing. Austin Nola hit a home run, and I had no idea because literally no one made a sound. <laughs> you, you didn't even hear, you know, a, you know, you didn't even hear Blue Jay, fan go, Blue Jay fans go, oh, like you didn't even hear that. Like, it was just quiet in that whole building, uh, which I love. Because you know, I, I hate the Blue Jays fans, <laughs> but but uh, but yeah. So uh, yeah, that was that was really crazy. That uh, but you know, they put on a show. Tom Murphy, who's mm-hmm. just having an insane road trip. He did the cartwheel in Detroit and hit you know hit a, a dinger in Toronto and hit two last night and everything. He's been great. Um, and Austin Nola, man, we, I think we need to start talking about this guy now, like legitimately, because this isn't just a couple weeks under his belt. This is, you know, he's been here for, for quite some time and he's consistently hitting, um, and with his flexibility defensively, you know, that's kind of a guy that we should spotlight more, you know, as the, as the off season closes in and everything. And, 
you know, going into next season because uh, he's he's done a lot. Yeah, he's. Um... Uh, yeah, he's uh, he's definitely raised his profile. He's gone from a uh, minor league filler um, to a probable 25-man roster, uh, you know, um, lock in 2020. Um, and so, yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit, but I do want to break uh, a little bit of news that okay. will definitely make Ty happy. Um, okay. Yusei Kikuchi uh, will not make his next start. It's being skipped. Um, the Mariners told him prior to the game in Toronto that he was going to be skipped. It's all part of the plan. No surprises there, no punishment. Um, so the plan right now is that they are going to, Felix Hernandez is going to start on Saturday and on Friday, (laughs) justice Sheffield will be recalled to make his start. Are you serious? You (laughs) here, here better get the bleeps out. You assholes. (laughs) Timestamp. I got a timestamp. Oh no, I'm losing my timestamp. Um, Jer- All right, Jerry Depoto is a dick for this. Okay, <laughs> calls up Jake Fraley and Justice Sheffield the week after. Are you serious, dude? Jesus. I'm just gonna have to go back and listen to the 30 second minute. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I think you. I think you did a good enough job to keep that PG. Um, I, I don't think the word ass has to be believed. Um, maybe you're offended by that grow up um but but anyways uh yeah so justice sheffield on friday felix Hernandez on saturday just like ty wanted you know a week later than he wanted it um (laughs) oh they're in seattle i might actually be able to go and watch uh anyways uh, so yeah i'm I'm so mad right now (laughs) yeah uh thanks thanks for uh uh, thanks for tagging us on Twitter on that bit of news while we record. Uh, that was Jordan. Uh, you guys probably know him. As, yeah, I, I, I like that he personally tagged. He personally yeah. tagged me too. Yeah, not yeah. just Soto Mojo. He tagged you. Um, <sighs> I'm. I'm I, I've never been more salty in my life. <laughs> oh boy. So is it even worth asking if Jerry Depoto has a plan, or are you just too mad at him to? You, know, you know what? Conversation? You know what? I'm on John Hammond's side now. Oh, what okay. is what? is the plan what okay. is well, the plan <laughs> in completely unrelated news uh i'm looking for a new co-site expert because guy's clearly out um he's done he can't be object- objective anymore so um yeah uh, all right but seriously but seriously getting back to to john hammond he's a moron uh let's let's drag him now can we do that please uh, i'm very excited for this did, moment he did a pretty good job on twitter um uh, let me pull up his exact tweet so I make sure mm-hmm. I'm not misquoting him here. I don't want now. This isn't just a topic to trash John Heyman, which we are going to do, but this is also just about the national media perception of right. the Mariners, uh, right. which is John's not just, good. <laughs> John's just kind of the figurehead, but we've seen um, fellow moron Bob Nightingale take his little pot shots um, at the Mariners as well without really any knowledge whatsoever about what's happening. Um, so as I search through this, still trying to find his tweets. Um, and this really happened a couple days ago. Seriously. Um, let's... Yeah, it was on Sunday. I was, I was leaving the game. I was at the train station when this started happening. I saw him like saying his goofy stuff to you. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I decided to respond as well. Right. Uh, join in. <laughs> 
Are you uh, if you're are you sure you didn't see the uh the shot we took at Jared Stanger? Oh, I saw that too. <laughs> yeah, we were throwing I, blows this weekend, man. Um uh to be fair, they both kind of deserve it. Um is this it? Here we go. Come on. There we go. All right. So after some uh, nice vamping there. Um, mm. By the way, I found that if you want a really popular tweet, you should just, you know, call out Jared Stanger for being a asshole. Um, <laughs> so so here, here's let's let's move back to John Heyman, though. Here we go. Uh, John Heyman's tweet that kind of started this whole thing uh, and really is going to be the, the bulk of our podcast here. Okay. Uh, quote, one of these days, the Mariners plan may be revealed. But for now, and admittedly from a distance, they look like they are engaged in all-time roster churning and wheel spinning. No playoffs since 2001. Many new plans since then. But when does the winning begin? So, Ty, where would you like to start dismantling this? Okay, so there's like a level of stupidity on Twitter that you can just ignore. And then there's the level of stupidity on Twitter that's just triggering beyond belief. This is that. Uh, it's the latter. Okay, let's let's, let's 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 just break it down in order. All right. Okay. Just to keep this nice and simple. Mm-hmm. One day, one of these days, the Mariners' plan may be revealed. Is <laughs> okay. Is John implying that the Mariners have no plan? Uh, I think John is implying that uh, the Mariners have not said what their plan is to the public whatsoever. Really? Uh, yeah. Um. Correct me if I'm wrong, but <laughs> this last winter. Jerry DePoto came out and said, uh, 2019 is not going to be a year we win. Yep. Yes. Yeah. He also um, said we are going to reimagine the roster. Yes. Yep. Uh, did he or did he not go out and trade, I don't know, four of his best uh, trade chips all in one winter? Mm-hmm. Yep. Did he get elite talent back for those guys? Mm-hmm. Did the farm system go from dead last to top 10 ish? Mm-hmm. But those aren't plans. Nah, nope. nah, that's just nope. just random, just random. Nah. Good luck, I guess. Come, yeah, coming out, you know, the the owner John Stanton coming out and saying this is a step back here. No, nah, that's not. That's not an indication of that's, plan. Neither is him saying, you know, our goal is to be really interesting by the second half of 2020, while competing for a playoff spot beginning in 2021. Mm-hmm. That's not a plan. Those are just words. Yep. I. I mean, so this idea that the Mariners don't have plans, don't have a plan, is yeah. absolutely moronic. So let's move on to the second part. Mm-hmm. But for now, and admittedly from a distance, let's stop right there. Okay. Admittedly from a distance, John, let's call it what it means. Let's call it what it is. I know nothing about the Seattle Mariners. Mm-hmm. I don't watch their games. I don't cover them. I don't care about them. I don't have any mm-hmm. insight into them. Clearly I don't because I just said they don't have a plan. So admittedly from a distance, what that really means is I'm talking out of my ass. Mm-hmm. So let's see, John. Hmm. I What you're saying, I don't know enough about the Mariners to offer an opinion, but here mm-hmm. is my opinion. Hmm. Boy, that's, yeah. ooh, that's, that's, that's a level of arrogance that uh, honestly I'm not surprised is coming from John Heyman. So, so, um, Let's get into the the next tweet that he sent us because you you uh you you know put him let's in be honest place. I put him into his place uh, yeah uh yeah you put him in this place after that 
after you said that garbage, and he responded to you by saying, I admire your patience. Well, John, I admire your inability to report on time and still get paid for it. Wait, let's let's be honest. John Heyman is there to basically say Jeff Passan was right. <laughs> Buster only was right. You know, uh, John Morosi was right. Mark Feinstein was right. That's that's your job, John. Really? Yeah. Um, so I mean, I don't that, even I don't even know where to begin to just explain how wrong he constantly is <laughs> like, just a little dig at the end but when does the winning begin well john if all you cared about was wins they did win 89 games last year yeah <laughs> i mean so it's not also, like they've to, been to, six, all the peop- to all the Go people ahead. that are like uh to, to all the people that were because we mainly got positive responses of course thankfully most of the people that follow us are sane uh, but for the couple of people that were in there in our mentions saying, that, you know, because I, I, I responded after he said the, the admire your patience thing, you know, talking about how, oh, with this, you know, if we kept Gene Segura and James Paxson, et cetera, you know, would this team be better? Sure. But not, it wouldn't be a playoff team, you know, yeah, and they would 500 be team. Yeah. And then, you know, I, uh, and you would be, they would be so much worse off for the future. Yep. Yeah. And so for the few people that responded to that and said, oh, well, they were an 89 win team, blah, 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 blah. Did you not watch baseball last year and not realize that the entire American League after the Mariners and the, and the Rays was like, in, was garbage. just garbage? Like be, behind those two teams that were fighting for, that were like, the two bubble teams, right? Outside of those two bubble teams, the Mariners and the Rays, the American League was trash. Okay, so... <laughs> and this year, the two wildcard teams are on pace for, like, 94 wins or something like that. Yep. So, even if you got 89 wins again this year, you would still be four or five games out of a second wild card. That That's the thing. I... I I get the whole it's bad for baseball thing and blah, blah, blah. I actually do truly understand that and how kind of frustrating it is that there's only really 10, 11 teams truly going for it. You know, and how, you know, at the trade deadline, everyone postures until the last minute. We saw that. And that's why the deadline was so uh, boring until like the final 20 minutes. Right. Uh, But even then, this is the smartest decision for this organization to make. Because now, yes, they're bad this year. They weren't going to be that much better, though, if they had kept their veterans. You know, if they had kept the same pieces that they had last year. Because, again, keep in mind, they had, you know, hundred, you know, uh, well over $100 million wrapped up in four or five players, right? Mm-hmm. And they were not going to go out and make some big deal. And they did not have the prospect capital to go out and get a no. quality piece that is a game changer for them. They, it was going to be another year of trying to pick and choose and trying to cherry pick, uh, you know, everything and, and make, you know, and hope everything goes right. Right. It's not, that was not, that's not a plan for success. That was trying to capitalize on a window that was already closed by Jack Sorensic. It was just trying to salvage what was remaining from the Jack Sorensic era. Now, 
Jerry Depoto is completely removed from that. This is now Jerry Depoto's organization. 2019 is truly the first season that this has been that this has been Jerry Depoto's organization fully. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everything, everything really that needed to go right has gone right this year. You know, the MLB team sucked. That was expected. So really, that's not that's not a downside of the season or anything like that. That was it. Just went as expected, and. You know, you have a like a world beater of a of a minor league team in in Arkansas. You have guys like Julio Rodriguez who <clears throat> who you know have just destroyed every level that they played at. Jake Fraley is another guy that's just done that. Uh, and you have and you've had guys that have taken the next step and have raised their their ceiling or you know raised their floor. You know, L.J. Newsom is a, is a perfect example of how he's now become kind of a legitimate prospect. And so that's like everything that you needed to go right has pretty much gone right. And you've added a little extra on the side as well. So I'm not sure why anyone would be disappointed with what's going on. I don't even get it. Like when someone like Ryan Divish writes in his articles that, you know, it still seems like, you know, winning is still a few years off. It's like, I don't know about that. I really don't because they have money and they have the young talent that is performing exceedingly well. So you have to assume that they're probably going that at least a couple of them are going to translate to the major leagues pretty well. You know, you got to assume that, you know, Jerry Kelnick or or Julio Rodriguez, et cetera, you know, as long as they don't get, you know, uh, knock on wood, don't have a significant injury that they're going to translate to the major leagues pretty well. You know, and so if you have those pieces to build around with money, which you have a lot of now, mm-hmm. and we'll have even more of when Kyle Seeger and D Gordon, et cetera, comes off of the books, this this has the potential of being, you know, and, and again, I'm I'm trying to 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 stay as neutral as possible because I don't want to get my heart broken and everything like that. But this has the potential of being, you know, of the Mariners and you know, four or five years from now, being a 101 team, you know, stuff like that. Like they legitimately have like, you know, it's just everything has to come together, of course, but you have the pieces in place. You have the money available. The Mariners are running the same risk with their rebuild as every other team that's rebuilding. Exactly. And that's why it's stupid to call them out and say, what's the plan here? I don't hear John talking much about what the Detroit Tigers plan is. Why? Well, because Detroit is taking the you know the typical five to seven year rebuild plan, the Mariners are taking the two year, three year rebuild plan. And um, who would you take of, of those two organizations right now to uh, succeed? You're taking Seattle, oh, yeah. exactly. Right, so if we're if we're buying stock in let's call it twenty five years from now, twenty twenty four, there's very few teams I would buy more. I would be more willing to bet on than Seattle right now, just based and on what they of, have. You know, and think and, about how crazy it is that they've been able to build. They've been able to at least move this uh, this farm system up twenty spots and like consensus rankings, yeah, with least. no true with no true like superstar trade piece, right? Because like let's let's face it, like James Paxton, Gene Segura, et cetera, they're not Manny Machado, they're not uh, Jacob Degrom, they're not Noah Syndergaard, they're not that kind of caliber of player that gets you these top prospects. You know, they had Edwin Diaz, and because the relief market is crazy, they were able to get Jared 
Kelnick and Justin Dunn. But even at the time of that trade, we were like, I mean, that's cool, but that's not, you know, it's it's not Glaber Torres, you know, type of thing. But <laughs> now it kind of looks like that, yeah. you know. Well, on top of that, you also, you also moved large and you moved chunks Cano. of Cano. Yeah. And so that's that's the thing, though, here is that what people don't like, you talked about Machado and you're like, none of those guys that we moved are Machado. And Machado got the Orioles, you know, a, a decent package. You got him one top 100-ish pr- prospect um, mm-hmm. for, you know, a couple months of Machado, which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I would rather move uh, Edwin Diaz for, with four years left and get Jared Kelnick, um, Jared Kelnick, Justin, uh, Justin Dunn, and uh, get half of Cano's money off the books, then wait another year. Watch Cano slump like he has this year. Him become completely immovable. And even if Diaz isn't as bad as he is in New York and Seattle, his value goes down because now he's arbitration eligible and he has one less year of full club control. So the idea that the Mariners should have waited an extra year, they couldn't. They couldn't. James Paxton, one more year. James, pa- How much is James Paxton worth with one full year on his con? Uh, one full year before he's a free agent? You might get... Dom Thompson Williams and Eric Swanson, you're not getting Justice Sheffield. Well, especially because you know you think about how he's performed this year, and obviously you know Yankee Stadium plays into that a little right. bit. But that's the thing, that. though, is you look at it, and one of the people who was saying, "Well, they won 89 games last year, so I mean, 89 is 89, no matter how you try to spin it." And I was like, "Yes, they won 89 games last year," which yeah. means in order for them, and they, and I think we can all admit they got lucky last year. Um, certainly if you look at run differential. So let's just assume, though, that they bring back this entire team from last year. They re-sign Nelson Cruz. Um, they probably don't have the money then to go get Kikuchi, by the way. Um, so let's just, let's just bring back the entire team. That So for them to get back to 89 wins, everybody would have to perform at the exact same level that they did in 2018. And that includes James Paxton, Gene Segura, Robinson Cano, Edwin Diaz, Mike Zanino. None of those have happened. None. Yeah. They've all been disappointments where they've gone. Segura's been fine. Paxson's been fine, but they haven't been as good as they were in 2018. But even even some like someone like Segura, Segura has a WRC plus that's under a, a hundred right now. So like, you know, it's not like Gene Segura is having the best year of his career. He's been a two win player, and he's been he's having one of his better defensive years, and that's he's helped. Start, he's a starting shortstop in Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. Is he an All Star? No, no, no. He's not, but J.P. Crawford probably give you the exact same thing. Um, and another thing is, like, look at how the AL West has been even better this year than it was last year. You know, the Angels are more competitive this year. The, the Rangers are more competitive this year. You know, that's another thing that you have to take into account because you play those teams 19 times a year. The Astros yeah. are just insanely good. You yeah, know, and they the just Astros added... The best and, roster in baseball. And they just added Zach Greinke. They are literally the Golden State Warriors of baseball. And it's like, I don't, like, I don't understand this whole idea that, or from some people, especially within the national media, whether it's John Hammond or whatever, that you need to absolutely sell everything for the second wild card to play one game. Right. That is not sustainable at all especially when you consider that teams will get better. The teams around you are going to get better. And the upper echelon of teams have a history of success, have a history of winning, have a history of developing talent. 
it's not like the Astros are just suddenly going to go away. Even if they start losing some of their players like Garrett Cole and George they Springer, will. et cetera. And they will. Or Correa. But, um, yeah. You know, Verlander and Granke are getting older. Um, but right now, you have no chance against that. You're like 1-12 in 12 against the Astros this year. Um, and by even the way, then, but even then, they still might be able to you know sustain success you know and, and be able to replenish their roster they have alex you know, bregman and jordan alvarez they're not going anywhere yeah uh, you know they're going to add they still have correa for now um you know they're going to add pieces and that's the difference is when you're the mariners and you're trying to sell out to get a one game playoff with where you are at with your farm system it's a disaster even if you get there if you lose that playoff game it's not worth it it's not whereas houston can sell what is already a weekend farm system. They can go out and sell basically all the impact they have left in it for two, for two reasons. One, they're trying to win a world series and they have a legitimate shot to do so. And mm-hmm. two, they're really good at drafting and developing. So they'll replenish those guys. Yep. Well, guess what? Right now the Mariners have shown that they're good at drafting and developing, particularly starting pitching. Yep. They're not world series contenders in three years. If they're world series contenders, you don't think they'll go out and they'll make the cranky move. They absolutely will, 100%. And that's what they're trying to get to. They're trying to get to a point where, hey, you know what? We're the Astros. We have Kelnick and Julio, and we have, you know, Marco and Logan Gilbert, and I don't know, maybe Justin Dunn ends up being your closer or something. Um, You know, but look, we have all these solid pieces. We still have a really good farm system. Screw it. Let's go get Manny Machado for our stretch run. Let's go win a world series. It doesn't make sense to go and spend, you know, especially now last year, if you wanted to go spend, you know, Kyle Lewis and try to get, I don't know, a starting pitcher with like one or two years left on club control probably wouldn't have been the worst thing. Um, it would have been, but it would have damaged your farm system significantly. And that's one less piece you have to work with. The national media seems to be unwilling to assume that the Seattle Mariners can do anything right. Mm. And that is off of the basis of Bill Bavese and Jack Sorensic, not Jerry DePoto. Yeah. And, you know, Jerry, you know, Jerry takes a lot of heat, but entering this year, the Mariners had in the Jerry DePoto era, they had the fifth most wins in yeah. the American league. And also, you know, and also it's because of, uh, of the, you know, uh, the heat that, that Jerry faces for his time in Anaheim, which really wasn't his fault. He was forced by ownership to give out, you know, insane contracts and go buy, 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 buy. Jerry buy. Depoto is the only GM that has gotten Mike Trout to the playoffs. Yeah. Make of that what you will, but it's the truth. <laughs> I mean, you know, Billy Epler hasn't been able to do it. Billy Epler hasn't even gotten close. <laughs> I mean, so it just and it, by the way, if you're buying stock in the Angels or the Mariners, buying Mariners stock. Um, and that includes the guarantee of the Angels having Shohei Otani, um, you know, uh, Mike Trout, obviously, and some of the young guys like Joe Adele. Uh, you know, the Angels should be a lot better, but they're not. They're not. So it's just one of those things, man. I don't. I don't and, understand. And you have to do this. You have to yeah. do this considering the division that you're in, because it's not just uh, Houston. It's also Oakland. And it's also uh, even you know you even if you want to throw Texas in there because Texas made a couple of pretty solid under the radar deals yep. and at the deadline that got them good quality prospects. 
there I would imagine Texas enters this offseason thinking they're a wild card contender. Yeah. In twenty twenty. Yeah. And um, so you and have to you have to do something as drastic as this. Uh, and right now it really legitimately looks like they're going to to hit on at least a couple of these guys. The it's, working. it's 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 working. You know, and, and and you know, and what happens if Kyle Lewis comes up in September and he just crushes it, you know, and he makes the and he makes the team out of spring training, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's I mean, just, but, but what you know, what I'm saying is like, you know, how we've how this year has gone and how some guys have just kind of come out of nowhere or have you know raised their ceilings or what have you, you know, imagine if that happens, you know, right. like that's. That's the kind of thing that's like there, you know, you have these top guys that you're relying on, right? The, the Julio Rodriguez's and the Justin Dunn's and the Jerry Kelnick's and the Logan Gilbert's. But what if these other, you know, what if these other players like, you know, we forget that Kyle Lewis is, you know, was the best college bat in his, in his draft class just well, three years ago. Largely considered a top five pick the year he came out. Um, and you know, he, and he's been rehabbing off of an ACL, and that screws with a lot of professional athletes. Doesn't matter what the sport is. And, and plus, by the way, he's about to finish his second consecutive healthy year, and not surprisingly, his second consecutive healthy year is much better than his first. Entire. And he's re- and he's really come on in the second half too. Mm-hmm. And so right. those those are the kinds of things that. You know, what if that does happen? What if he does come up to the MLB and he, he and he's actually, you know, good? Because we haven't seen him with the MLB ball. So we don't know if that's going to help him with his power numbers. We, you know, we don't know how right. some things are going to go. Arkansas's uh, ballpark is not um, exactly conducive to the home run ball. Um, and he still hit 11 home runs. I mean, yeah, which, I mean considering. Right. You, you I mean, Jake Fraley. Right. Jake Fraley hit 11. You need him to be up to 30. Uh, yeah. That's just where he he needs to be but it's funny if you look at like kyle lewis's uh his home away splits that i mean they're staggering um mm. i'll pull them up here but I, the idea here is is that simply you know the mariners are in a position where for the first time in a while they don't need julio rodriguez to be great uh he could be and they certainly want him to be but if julio rodriguez and um i don't know just justice sheffield if they if they are big leaguers that hurts, but are you like, is it just over? You have no chance? No, no, because you built legitimate depth. Yeah, I got three more drafts before uh, 2022. Mm-hmm. I, I, or I got uh, two more drafts before 2022. I have, uh, you know, I have all these other guys <laughs> as well. You know, right. I still have trade trips at the, at the major league level that can so, bring in more talent. I have talent at the major league level. So I, I have like talent, to- yeah. You know, J.P. Crawford has slumped, but for the most part, he's been... J.P. Crawford is an everyday Major League shortstop who has five years of club control. Mm-hmm. You know, you have two legitimate catchers, um, you know, Tom Murphy and Omar Narvaez. You have the two best offensive catchers. In ba- like, the combined, you know, they showed right. that, that thing on the broadcast last night. They the are Mariners. first in every offensive category. For a catcher. For yeah, catchers. For catchers. You combine yeah, for yeah. Um, and by the way, one of the Omar Narvaez is probably going to make, I don't know, $3 million in his first year of arbitration. Tom Murphy isn't arbitration eligible until after next season. Um, <laughs> so they're basically cheap and free. 
Um, you know, you saw Mitch Haniger, who's going to be ARB eligible for the first time. Marco Gonzalez is going to make a million bucks next year. Marco Gonzalez, probably closer to a four than he is a three, but I mean, that, that's pretty good. You saw Malik Smith, who's ARB eligible for the first time. You're adding Jake Fraley. You're adding Shed Long soon enough. You're adding Braden Bishop. You have an entire bullpen that isn't ARB eligible. You have uh, Yusei Kikuchi. Uh, still, on, you have legitimate major leaguers on your team, so this isn't like the Orioles where you're, hey, we have we're gonna throw a bunch of four A guys out there, uh, try and get the first pick for three consecutive years, and see what we can build. Nope, nope. Jerry Depoto said, nope, we're gonna trade Mike Zanino for Malik Smith. We're gonna get a big leaguer back. Why? Because we want to compete by 2021, and trading Mike Zanino for you know a A ball lottery ticket. Um, doesn't make as much sense and th- and think about what time can do for you you know what mitch hanniger getting back on the field can do for his trade stock what you know domingo santana regaining full health can do for his trade stock what you know what you could potentially get from marco gonzalez at this time next year you know uh, st- those are things that you legit you know what a full healthy season of malik smith could look like and what that could potentially well, that's the thing is that, for trade stock, et cetera. Right. And that's the thing is that you can, you can trade Mitch Haniger now and feel pretty confident you have a replacement. Mm-hmm. Um, it might not be for a year. You might have to wait a year before you get that replacement. But last offseason, if you traded Mitch Haniger, who's his replacement? You hope it's Kelnick, but you don't know. He's still, yeah. you know, he's still 19 years old. You don't know. Julio's probably four years away at that point. We, Jake Fraley, we like him, but he's a complete unknown. Don, Dom Thompson-Williams, I don't know. Kyle Lewis wasn't really good until this year. And now all of a sudden, you, you know, Braden Bishop and all that, you, you start looking at it and you go, yeah, you could trade Hanniger and you can get something good for him and we can replace him. Maybe not, you know, exactly. It might take a year or two for, I don't know who, just say it's Kelnick. You might take a year or two for him to get to Mitch Hanniger's level, but you're probably not competing in that year or two anyways. And so why not trade them? So you can trade guys now that last year you probably couldn't just because there was such an unknown. And real fast, just because we teased it earlier, mm-hmm. um, Kyle Lewis at home uh, this year, 54 games, uh, 192, 281, 275. Uh, Kyle Lewis uh, away games, 55 of them, uh, 343, 415, 546. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that is, those are major splits here. Um, yeah. That's just ridiculous. That's literally it really is. And mm-hmm. so, you know, and that's when you and and those are the kind of numbers that are so striking that it's just like, oh, okay. Well, that's why, you know, his numbers as a whole are just so, you know, they're like, you know, decent, but not great, you know, for the double A level. Yeah, but when you look at that, it's like, oh, well, outside of Arkansas, he's probably one, you know, one of the best setters in the whole league. Yeah. And it's so, and you got to imagine that probably transfers well to the MLB with mm-hmm. the ball. And now that T-Mobile Park has kind of become more hitter friendly, it's not completely hitter friendly, but since they brought in the balls and everything, it's neutral. Yeah. And like he could legit, I think we're really undervaluing what Kyle Lewis could potentially do for this team. Right. Like, I, I think he's kind of like the forgotten guy in this whole system could be. in this he whole organization be. that because and let's not forget by the way just to add value to him kyle lewis can play a pretty decent center field too 
He's mm. definitely going to be better in right or left field, but he can handle center field and not kill you. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, that's also the flexibility that they have a, mm-hmm. with a lot of these outfielders. Jerry Kelnick is a guy that can play all three spots. Jake Fraley is a guy that can play all three spots. Mm-hmm. You know, Kyle Lewis is a guy that, you know, yeah, he's better suited for a corner outfield spot, but he, like you said, he can play center field. Braden Bishop is a guy that can definitely play all three spots, but probably should just be a center fielder. It's just, center fielder. yeah, it's All just, can it. he, can he be, you yeah. know, at least solid at the plate? You yeah. know, can he be slightly above what Kevin Pilar is? Right. right. Cause if you can be that, then all right, yeah. that's, that's a major league. That's an everyday major leaguer. And a pretty nice trade chip too. And yeah. And so, so yeah, Go there's, ahead. there's, I mean, you know, and, and when you think about Kyle Lewis, because it's like, if Kyle Lewis actually does have, you know, and I'm not saying he's going to come up and be a star or anything like that. I, I think that's kind of, uh, that idea is out of the window. But if he is a solid major leaguer for you, you and that and that really kind of exceeds your expectations of him at this point, because, you know, when he tore his ACL and then he struggled last year and he struggled to start this year and he's having you know, all those struggles in Arkansas, you know, like actually, you know, playing at home, even with that, you know, your expectations of him have gone down and now he's kind of become the forgotten guy in the, in, in the organization. But if he comes, you know, cause we're going to see him in September, if he comes up in September and, you know, and has some minor success and gives him an opportunity, gives himself an opportunity, as long as he doesn't get traded, gives himself an opportunity to break camp with this team. And truly gets an opportunity to start at the major league level and play, and you have Jake Fra- you know, and Jake Fraley, you know, plays well, and you have both of those guys starting games for you in the outfield and actually contributing to your team, and you don't even have Julio Rodriguez or Jared Kelnick or, or any of those guys up yet. Yep. Do you know what that means? <laughs> like, yeah, like, there's a lot of depth, and it's not just fourth outfield depth like it was two years ago. It's starting MLB everyday guy depth. Um, and, you know, just to kind of move away from even the minor system a little bit, you look at what the Mariners have been able to do with some major league guys. Uh, they turned Austin Adams from a throwaway trade piece into a legitimate high, high leverage guy. Mm-hmm. They took Austin Nola as a 29-year-old, you know, catcher, backup catcher in AAA. He's now, you know, pretty much a lock to make the team next year. Um, and he's quietly having a rookie of the year caliber season um, most years. <laughs> um, so and he's just not going to get enough playing t- uh, enough at bats to qualify for that. Uh, but he's having a great year. They took, you know, you, you look and they took JP Crawford and they got something out of JP Crawford that Philadelphia never could. Mm. And Philadelphia never really got close to getting out of him. You look at some of the arms they've got Marco Gonzalez and they got something out of Marco Gonzalez that, uh, the Cardinals never could. Mm-hmm. I mean, those we're talking about teams that have legitimate player development systems. They took they took Omar Narvaez out of Chicago, and he immediately went from a thirty grade catcher to a forty grade catcher. I mean, he's still not good back there, but he's a lot better than he was in Chicago. And they yeah. took Tom Murphy, and they did something with Tom Murphy that Colorado couldn't do. Yeah, and they're making you know these changes, and they're working. Yeah, and you you know what I, what I was thinking about yesterday. Um, the biggest disappointment about of this season really were the injuries to Austin Adams, Brandon Brennan, and Connor Sadzik. And the reason why I say that is 
Look at what Miami was able to turn Trevor Richards and Nick Anderson into. Yeah. I mean, with the way that Brandon and Brennan, with <laughs> wow, I can't talk. the The way that Brandon Brennan and Connor Zadzik pitched to start the year, if they had maintained that and stayed healthy, I mean, that's pretty much what you know the the Marlins had. Yep. Not better. I mean, not significant. You know, and, at least. And, and, you know, you add Austin Adams to it, who also got hurt at an inopportune time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, there, was some, there was some bad trade luck there. Because I, I feel pretty good that Domingo Santana was on his way out the door before he hurt his elbow. Mm-hmm. And then the deals that were there just kind of, I mean, obviously they you're less enthused to trade for those guys. Uh, and, yeah, you know what? An Austin Adams working his way back. He'll probably be back in September sometime. You would like to see him, you know, continue. He's definitely going to be the bullpen next year. And you can absolutely still flip him next year if he stays healthy. Um, and you can get a really nice prospect for him. That's a high leverage arm. And same with Brandon Brennan, uh, Connor Sadzik. I don't think Sadzik's making it back this year. Um, you know, and you just, you just kind of Matt, uh, Matt McGill, by the way, Matt Whistler. Um, oddly enough, over the last two weeks, the bullpen has been really good. Yeah. It, it looks like a big league bullpen. And it's basically been built on guys who weren't here two months ago. And it's just a little preview of how quickly... Even, even someone like Anthony Bass isn't killing you. He's not I great. Prefer but... he, I prefer he pitched somewhere else, but I mean, yeah. He's yeah, not... yeah. But I mean, he's a guy that, yeah, you could trade him for some, you know, D-level prospect. Something, you know, like he will have minor interest. But my main thing right now... I'd be right able now... to get an Aaron Fletcher type for him. Yeah, hey, and that's really good because Aaron Fletcher has only allowed one home run in his entire professional career, <laughs> and he gives the ball to, ball on the ground at a sixty percent clip. So I'm totally great with that. Uh, but but yeah, I mean my my huge thing going into next year is the bullpen because the relief market is just so ridiculous. And you and uh, and again, I'll use that Marlin. Race trade as an example, because the Marlins, yeah, they got they got Stanek, but they also got Jesus Sanchez. <laughs> like, I mean, for a you know, Anderson, yeah, like for Nick Anderson and Trevor Richards, who are eh, Nick Anderson's know? really good. Yeah, he's good, but it's like Trevor eh. Richards is like a you know, fifth number five starter, and with some so, upside, but no, and the so, Mariners. Like, when you the think Mariners about next could year, trade like that, and when you yeah, when you think about going into next year, your bullpen, you know, depending on trades and everything, but it, it, say they don't trade anyone, they'll have Brandon Brennan, they'll have Connor Sadzik, they'll have Taylor Gilbo, they'll have um, Matt Whistler, Matt McGill, etc. You know, and there's even you know Austin Adams, Connor Sadzik maybe, Connor Sadzik, those I, guys. I think two of those guys would be making more than the league minimum. Yeah. And uh, oh, by the way, those aren't even counting the Joey Gerbers, the Art Warrens, the Sam Delaplanes. Yeah, um, and you get to and you get to July because you're not going to be in the race. But when other teams are in the race, and it's probably going to be the same thing as it was this year because I'm sure they're not going to change the ball and and everything like that. So there's going to be a lot of struggling bullpens, even in, on the best teams. You're going to be able to flip those guys. Yep. So if you can maintain a healthy bullpen. With centered around those guys, I think the, the, 
that's a very underrated part about this team is what they've been able to do in acquiring relief talent. I think that's really underrated what, what DePoto has done because he not only has trade chips and Haniger and Alex and Domingo and Marco, et cetera, and even Omar and, and, and Tom Murphy, but, and even, you know, you could throw Austin Nola into that now. Uh, like the bullpen could be the most profitable group of, of them all. Mm-hmm. Because it's totally possible. And we've already seen the Mariners take these bullpen arms and turn them from, you know, waiver wire DFA guys into legitimate, at least seventh inning guys. Um, and we've seen them do it all season. Um, hey, heck, Hunter Strickland threw four games this year and he got the Mariners a pretty good lefty. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that tells you everything you need to know about the bullpen. Yeah, they, 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 Hunter Strickland got you a lefty that can pitch to both sides of the plate that has a wipeout slider that keeps the ball on the ground. That doesn't give up home runs at all. Uh, and, uh, and will probably be in your bullpen by June yep. next year. And considering the, uh, how rare it is to find lefties that are not loogies that can, you know, truly pitch to both sides of the plate and succeed. That's so rare. In this league now, and it's what every I mean, team that contends wants. Right. And like, I mean, you're not talking about, though. I'm Obviously, there's guys like Chapman and Hayter, but I mean, yeah. you're talking about just middle relief lefties that can do both. Cause yeah, the they lefties, can do both. The lefties who close or set up guys, of course they can do that. Otherwise, they wouldn't be closers. Right. right. But yeah, the middle like relief those, guys. Yeah. Those guys that you can, you know, put in at, you know, in the sixth, seventh inning to, to, to really, you know, steady everything to steady the course and everything. Those guys are so rare to find. And it's what every team looks for, especially at the deadline. Mm -hmm. And now when you think about someone like Taylor Gilbo, if he has a really good year next year, what can he get you? You know, so these are the things that, you know, I think about a lot when I think about next year and think about the potential, obviously not everything is going to go right. You know, some guys are going to regress next year. You know, it's possible Brandon Brennan is just a mess next year, you know, for example, right? Oh, it's it, going to happen to somebody, at least one person. It, it, and bullpens and relievers are so flaky and weird. It's just, you know, that's just how baseball goes, right? But right. when you think about the potential of the arsenal that Jerry DePoto has, and sure, disaster could strike at any moment. Jared Kelnick could tear his ACL tonight. Not, not going to look. But... You know, things could get sidetracked in a moment. But when you think about the potential, it's it's really hard not to get excited. And it's really hard to say that they can't make 2021 a real possibility. Right. Because when you think about the when you think about the money that's still coming off of the books and the money that they already have that they've saved from dealing Cano, from dealing Segura, from dealing um uh, you know, Encarnacion and Bruce and everyone. And, you know, obviously they didn't save a whole lot of money from those deals, but still to, you know, what they have been able to do the, to get the money, you know, to get all this money off of the books and everything, they're going to have money to spend on free agency. They have the prospect capital now to go out and buy in 2021. They're going to have, I legitimately think they will have one of the top three farm systems in baseball by this time next year. That's my like hot take. Well, it'll be tough to get there with the graduations, I think. 
but definitely not. Uh, All right, maybe not, impossible. not this time. Maybe not this time next year, but next year at some point, like before Gilbert and them graduate, I think they'll legitimately have top three, top five farm system. When you consider the trade pieces that they still have in house and everything, and even with the graduations, I feel good about them being able to oh, replenish yeah. that farm system as well to maintain to have a sustainable farm. And that is so key to when they do contend that they have those pieces still to trade from, you know? And oh, so right. the goal of a farm system though, is not to be the number one farm system for, yeah. you know, one year and then be 20th for the next mm-hmm. 10. You'd much yep. rather be a team that's consistently 13, 14, 15. and just churning out major leaguers. You want to be the Cardinals. I mean, that's the ultimate goal. Yeah. Where they're just churning out big leaguers, and yet they still develop enough impact that they can go trade for, you know, guys like Paul Coltschmidt or whatever. Um, so that's the goal. So again, you know, again, people obsess over the prospect ranks, but in all in all reality, remember that the main objective of the minor leagues is to help the major league team as soon as possible. Um, so yeah, it's great that the Mariners have the number eight system or whatever according to Fangraphs. Um, but if they had the 20th rank system and the team was winning, you wouldn't really care. Right. You know, so it's just something to keep in mind with, with prospect ranks. Um, and it's the thing that Jerry DePoto has always has, has preached for as long as he has been in Seattle is that he wants to build, a, uh, an organization that's sustainable. So not just the major league team, it's right. a sustainable organization from top to bottom and, Right now, he's do, you know aside from the major league team, he's doing that, and he set himself up, you know, and he set the organization up in a way that, you know, by twenty twenty one, by twenty twenty two, if they are truly competing by that time, they're still going to have one of the best yep. farm systems in baseball, mm-hmm. you know, because we also don't, you know, we're also not talking about what, you know, next year George Kirby pitches a full year. What if he has a Logan Gilbert type of first year, you know? Right. And he suddenly becomes one of your best prospects. You know, what if Brandon Williamson continues to dominate? You know, Isaiah Campbell, et cetera. You know, the guys from last year's draft class, you know, who you keep from stacking that class? up. Right. You yeah. keep stacking up draft classes after draft class, your international free agents, the trades that you make that seem minor at the time that you get a guy who can pop. And that's you just kind of slowly build that and just keep churning it through. And if you're consistently in the top 15, uh, if you're consistently 11 through 15, that is much better than being a team that's, you know, number seven this year and then number 25 two years from now. It just, it, it's, it's not as sustainable um, in the long run there. So uh, I guess, you know, this has just been a long, uh, long form way to say uh, John Heyman clearly has no idea what he's talking about. Um, Bob Nightingale, I mean, we already knew that. He right. certainly has no idea. Um, but hey, you know what, John? Somebody's got to be there to confirm what Passon tweeted 30 minutes before you. So, um, you know, you keep doing your work. It, it, it's good. And hey, like I said on Twitter, hey. at least when he says something, uh, when he actually has news to report, not his opinion, I can buy it. That's definitely something that you can't with Nightingale. So, I mean, that's, but, I mean, better than that, I guess. I'll tell you this. John Heyman is an inspiration. Why? Because he is an idiot that gets paid probably a pretty good salary <laughs> to, to spew just nonsense significantly more than us um <laughs> we're talking like 
4,000% more, 40,000% more, whatever it is. Um, but anyways, uh, I, I, would, I would like to get some MLB network checks. Shoot. <laughs> uh, we're too smart to talk on the MLB network. They got to make room for Harold Reynolds and Mad Dog Russo. Um, so. That's just the worst. Can we bring back the show with Brian Kenny, please? That was, that was the only redeeming part. Is that show off the air now? That sucks. Yeah. I don't even remember what it was called. It, it was so good, though. Yeah, they were um, like, yeah, he would talk about like WRC Plus and XFIP and stuff like Brian, that. I was like, Brian I was like, I like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's I pointed out last night on the Root broadcast. They had a, it was like the fourth inning or whatever, where they had Aaron Goldsmith going over. They were talking about whether or not Marco Gonzalez is having a better year this year than he did last year. Uh-huh. And Aaron Goldsmith was going over XFIP and XO and uh, expected on base, weighted on base average and. Mm-hmm. You know, exit velocities and fit, and he, you know, and Flowers is backing that up with, you know, you're right, and this is the sequencing we're seeing. This is the pitch usage we're seeing now this year, and it was just kind of, it was the way that you know, kind of old school scouting and the numbers should be blended, and they did yeah. it for about an inning, and it was absolutely beautiful. It was poetry, and it was just, it's just a reminder that hey, you know what, we can look at numbers, and we can also look at scouting. And what our eyes tell us, and we can combine them to reach conclusions. Yeah. And it was just—it was so nice to see. And that's not something you see from everybody. Um, there's not a lot of people, especially older baseball people, who are looking at the big picture here. Um, instead, they just want to point and laugh at teams that are trying to do things differently. Um, baseball is not the same as it was in the '80s. Well, thank God for that. Um, yeah. I just—I just—I mean, I'm sorry. Then don't watch. Goodbye. Yeah. I. Yeah. I. The whole thing is. Is it's asinine. So, yeah, I think um, I think the Mariners organization in general, uh, whether it be you know uh, the people that actually, you know the decision makers or if it's their PR team or their broadcast team, etc. I think they have. Uh, I think they do a, a fantastic job in, in really educating their fans and, and being educated themselves and doing enough research to stay modern in the game, but also not completely stray away from you know, the more simplistic ideals right. of baseball, right? To, you know, champion, uh, you know, champion things like just the eye test, you know, like you said, you know, with Blowers being able to kind of mix in there right. and see, you know, look at sequencing and look at, you know, mechanical changes and stuff like yep. that, um, that also play a huge effect because, look, you know, we can look at Jake Fraley's numbers, et cetera, you know, and, and think, you know, and make our assumptions that way. But when you also learn that, you know, Fraley made a swing change and stuff like that, those are things that don't show up in the analytics, right? Those are things. Scores. Yeah. That, I mean, those... right. But that's the thing is that you can look at, anal- you can look at the analytics and say, okay, something's changed here. Right. But until you put your eyes on a player, you don't know what it is. Yeah. Um, and that's why, you know, in conclusion, Goldsmith and Blower should be doing the broadcast every single night. Uh, put Dave Sims on the radio uh, where he can talk about batting average and pitcher wins all he wants. Um, and the only people listening to that will be people who care about batting average and pitcher wins. Um, I don't you know, remember I, the last time I've listened to a radio broadcast of a game. Because yeah, now with our phones and MLB TV and everything, you can yeah. just watch the game on your phone. Yeah, I, and that's what I typically do. But sometimes I'll be driving uh, and, you know, I, I don't mind a game. on. Like I, I like listening to Riz on the radio. I don't mind that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, there is something that's just kind of 
seems American, I guess, about like just listen, listen to, to a games. ball game yeah. on the radio while you do something else and it's on in the yeah. background. Like I, I do like a, like I do during spring training, you know, obviously right, like right. if the game isn't being televised or whatever, I'll throw it on and that's nice, you know, hearing Riz and hearing the hearing the sounds of the ballpark in the background and everything like that. I'm not uh, you know, I'm not I'm not trashing that. I'm just saying like in general it's just it's crazy to me like how much or like how sometimes I just kind of forget that there's also a radio broadcast going on. Right. But uh, yeah. anyways, man, we have veered way off topic here. Yeah. I yeah. hope you guys enjoyed our 90 minute podcast. Um, hey, man, it's been significantly better than most of our recent podcasts. And I think this is actually a pretty good one. I'd give this a pretty solid grade. Yeah. OK, well. We'll see what people say. Typically, uh, the longer the podcasts get, the lower the grade people are willing to give it. But uh, <laughs> I think there was some there was some good discussion here. So uh, hopefully, you guys stuck with it to the end. I appreciate it if you did. Make sure you uh, follow us on Twitter at SotoMojoFS, so you can send us questions or anything like that for the podcast. Ideas, uh, you know, comments, concerns, and if you want to try to get blocked, it won't be that hard. So uh, take your best shot. Um, also, uh, make sure you guys visit the website, sotomojo.com. We know that, uh, August has been a bit of a, a dry month after the deadline with no, you know, post deadline trades and the team kind of, you know, being out of it since, oh, May. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we appreciate you guys visiting the website and reading some of our content. Um, and Hey, things are getting better. The rosters yeah. are about to expand. Jake Fraley is hopefully in florida now i don't know by now right <laughs> uh you know he's um uh, yeah we, we have prospect ranks going up all this week uh we'll get more of that going uh one of the things i do want to try and bring back is kind of a weekly mailbag type of things i had a lot of fun writing that um sometimes it's nice to just kind of bounce around to a couple different topics um in one article so uh i'll probably put out the word on twitter for that so make sure you uh, visit the website, sotomojo.com. Follow us on Twitter, at sotomojofs. Subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any new episodes. Ty, do you have anything you want to say before we sign off? Austin Miller is good. That's it. Okay. That's, that's my new campaign. Ah, I see. No longer a Vogelback fan. Hmm. That's, that's Colton's thing. I'm not stealing that from Oh, okay, you. okay. That's, yeah, that, yeah, that's Colton's me. job. Yeah, that's Colton's job. I'm... I, I'm I like how how Cornelius is to to Colton, Austin Nolan is to me. All right, you're claiming Austin Nolan. I will let you guys know who I claim next week uh, when we talk again. So once again, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, you know, it's Matt McGill. No. <laughs> uh, anyways, thanks for stealing my thunder, Ty. Thank you guys. I will so derail this. You already did. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I will see you in another life. Peace.